Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast. This is my summer how-to series, how to stop yelling at your kids. You are here listening to this podcast episode today because you struggle with yelling at your kids, like so many of us do. Now, it's interesting that the title of this how-to episode is how to stop yelling at your kids, but actually I want to modify that just a little bit because when I'm working with my clients, I try to stay away from like stop, never, always words that where it's like we used to do this and now we never do this. Now you may want to stop yelling at your kids completely and forever, but my goal is always to increase or decrease things basically by percentages. So the actual title of this episode should be how to yell at your kids a lot less, which just isn't as uh, exciting or uh, pretty or clean as how to stop yelling at your kids. But I wanted to get that right out there in the front because basically we're humans, right? We're not robots. We're still going to make mistakes. And I want you to set up your parenting plan and your yelling less plan with a little bit of humanness and reality and realisticness to say, I will sometimes make mistakes. I will sometimes go back to my old way of thinking and my old way of yelling. But what I'm going to try to do is think in a new way and parent in a new way where I yell at my kids a lot less than I have been yelling at them. And for me, that is a total win. So I just want to offer you a few new thoughts and ideas today that might help you make this mindset shift that you're needing to yell less at your kids. The first thing I want to offer you is that You're not yelling at your kids for the reasons that you think you are. You're not yelling at your kids because they drive you crazy or because they don't listen or because they are poorly behaved. You're yelling at your kids because you're feeling frustrated and because you're feeling overwhelmed and because you're feeling angry or whatever it is. And the reason that you're feeling those things is because you are thinking frustrating thoughts and you are thinking angry thoughts and you are thinking overwhelming thoughts. So I'll give you a quick example of this. If you've been around on this podcast for a little while, you've heard us talk about the self-coaching model, which is the CTFAR model, circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, and then results. And I'm going to just touch on that a little bit today just to help you see that whatever your kids are doing, whatever your kids are not doing, whatever your kids are saying or not saying, It all goes in the circumstance line, meaning it's just the facts at hand and it goes in that first line of the model. And then the next step is what you're thinking about what they're doing, which creates a feeling in the third line of the model. And then you take action. And when you're yelling at your kids, that comes in the action line of the model, which means there are three things that happen before you yell. First, circumstances occur, which is everything your kids are doing or not doing. And then if you yell, if you find that you yell when you're angry, frustrated, overwhelmed, like I mentioned, or another feeling, there's several, quite a few feelings that can result in an action line of yelling. You just want to be on to yourself to know that I am not feeling overwhelmed because my kids are being over, my kids are doing this behavior that I would call overwhelming, right? Or I'm not annoyed because my kids are acting annoying, I am annoyed because I'm thinking annoying thoughts about what my kids are doing. Okay, so I said I was going to give you an example. Here's my example. When I ask my kids to do something normally, this is one time, this is when I'll often, this is my scenario where I often raise my voice. I'll ask them to do something, they won't do it. 
I'll ask them again to do something. They won't do it. Then I yell, then they do it. That's sort of our little pattern. And I get frustrated with them and I get frustrated with me. And I, I just think to myself, they don't do it unless I yell. Like what is happening, right? <laughs> so then it feels like I have no choice but to yell if I want them to get the thing done. But what's happening is I ask them nicely and they don't do it. And I think, oh, they must not have heard me. And so then I don't feel frustrated yet or annoyed yet. So then I ask them again. And this time I know they heard me and they're still not doing it. And this is where I start to get frustrated or annoyed or angry. So then I start to think, I know they heard me and they're still not doing it. They should be doing it. This is ridiculous. Why don't they listen? They never listen. So this is my train of thought that I'm having based on what's going on in the circumstance line, what they've decided to do by ignoring me or whatever they're doing where they have decided to not get up and stop what they're doing and go do the thing I'm asking for. And when I have that line of thinking, this is ridiculous. I know they heard me. They're being so disrespectful. They don't listen, right? That's my train of thought. That is when I feel frustrated and angry and all the things that lead to me then raising my voice and saying, get up, get out of here, go do the thing, whatever, right? And that's when their brain kicks in and say, oh, mom's mad, better do it now, right? So it's this funny pattern that plays out. So in that moment, I feel like I have, like, if I want them to do something, they're not going to do it till I yell. That's what, that's what my brain has built up a lot of evidence for. But I want to slow it all down, understand it all a little better, and show myself that I have options, that I have I have choices. I, I have choices all along the way. Whenever I feel like I don't have any choices, that just means that my lower brain is running the show, making me feel like I don't have choices, but I always have choices. So I want to show you a little bit more of what happened in that scenario and then show you how I have some choices there and how I could help it go differently. So if we were to take a look at my children's models, what's going on in their model, we'll just take one kid, you know, sitting on the couch reading a book or something. My kids love to look at Calvin and Hobbes books. We have a bunch of those like comic book books, you know, and they're in the middle of a, a, a chapter or a story or whatever they're doing, right? They're reading and they, f they sort of hear me. I say, Hey, can you get up and unload the dishwasher? Okay. Ask them something specific. And I'm sort of bustling around doing my own thing. So I just throw those words at them. I'm using a nice calm voice. I use my nice words. They sort of hear me. Like they literally hear me, but they would rather read the book than get up. Their brain's super into what they're doing. And they, and I wasn't like over there saying their name, getting eye contact, right? Like there's some things I could have been doing to help them hear me better. Instead, from across the room, I just said, oh, hey, come on the dishwasher. And they go, oh, in a minute or okay or whatever. You know, they, they vaguely respond to me because they're excited and interested, way more interested in what they're doing than in unloading the dishwasher. So then a minute later, I notice they didn't even move. I think they acknowledged me, but they didn't even move. So then I get a little firmer with them. And I, I, at that point, hopefully I'm still giving them a bit of the benefit of doubt of the doubt of maybe they didn't hear me or, you know, something like that. So then I say, okay, Hey, come over right now, please. And unload the dishwasher. And I get a little firmer. I say their name, I maybe make them look up at me, right? Where the first one was a little vague from me and a little vague from them. And they say, okay, okay, you know, I'm coming or whatever they say. And then they still don't get up because in their mind, they're thinking, oh, I'll finish this really quick and then I'll go and it'll be okay or whatever they're thinking, right? They're having thoughts and then they're continuing to read or whatever it is they're doing. So then that's when I start getting frustrated because you know my line of thinking there. 
And then I yell. And then they jump right up because now they're in trouble. And now reading while being yelled at is not as fun as or is is not more fun than getting up and doing the like my yelling has made their scenario uh, not as enjoyable, right? They now they're in trouble. Now they know they have to move or it'll get worse or whatever. And then they get up and they come on the dishwasher and they say, sorry, I was just reading and I forgot and whatever it was, right? Whatever they say to me about why they didn't jump up when I asked them to. So in my mind, I'm thinking they're being disrespectful. They don't care what I say. They don't, you know, right. I'm making it mean so many painful things about my parenting and about their like respect level for me and their desire to obey. But really all that was going on for them was they were really enjoying reading. Let me talk to you about options right now. That first point I'm really making there is that you yell because you're angry and you're angry because of your thoughts. You're not angry because of your kids. That's something that you need to drive home for yourself because that is your first step in getting the leverage that you need over this to realize like I choose the thought, I choose the feeling, and then I choose to yell. When we think it's our kids' behavior that's making us yell, then we think that they have to stop doing that behavior for us to stop yelling. But when we separate that all out into the model and we see like anything can be going on in the circumstance line, and I always have choices when it comes to my thought, and then that thought creates a feeling and that feeling produces actions, and all of that part is in my control. What they're doing is not in my control, and I can yell less even if that exact same behavior continues. Okay, so once you get some leverage on that, a little bit of hold over that, of they don't they don't necessarily need to change anything. Like it'd be really fun if they did. It'd be fun if they listened to me the first time I asked, but they could keep not doing it the first time I asked. And I can still choose to think differently, feel differently, and yell less. That's always in my power. That's a really, really important piece of this. And then the second thing I want to show you are your options. As soon as you get out of that trap of I have no choice but to yell or they are making me yell with their behavior, as soon as you get that empowerment back of this is all in my control, that's when your brain starts to open up and you see all the options that you have. So I start to take ownership over my piece of it where I'll say, oh, I can see how I didn't even really get their attention that first time. Oh, it makes a lot of sense to me that it's way more fun for them to read their book than to get up and do the dishwasher. So I can't assume that they're going to act like an adult or whatever. sometimes I, I forget my kids aren't adults because adults know how to choose a thing that's not as fun over a thing that is, isn't as fun or over the thing that is fun. <laughs> and I'm not saying that kids don't know how to do that, but that is, does not come as naturally to them because they're children and they have their, their brains are only developed so far. We Adults tend to have more access to their self-discipline and kind of that, those different patterns and consequences where kids are going to default to the fun thing. So my piece in all of that is I can understand that. I can be more intentional about the way I ask them the first couple of times with my calm voice and my kind words. I can walk over to them. I can get their attention. I can get their eyesight on me. I can very calmly lay out, okay, if you don't get up and do it right now, you're going to have two chores or whatever, right? It doesn't ever have to get to the yelling. And it's just interesting how when I'm in my old pattern, I ask quickly and vaguely, then I ask again a little more firmly, then I yell. And that felt like a very normal progression. But when I slow it down and I take my ownership, I realize, oh, I could be asking differently. I could be making my expectations very clear. I could be communicating better. I could be making sure that they hear me instead of just assuming they did and, and assuming that I'm just going to get like perfect behavior out of them, even if, even if I'm asking kind of vaguely. 
And they still, even if I do all like more, more uh, intentional things on my end, as far as like asking better and communicating better, they can still choose to not do it. And I can be ready for that too. I can plan on, there's a chance that I can do all these things and they'll still not do it. And I can still not yell. I can still just say, oh, I see you've decided not to listen. I see you've decided to read instead of unload the dishwasher. And now here comes that consequence I told you was coming. And I can say it very calmly. The thing that keeps me calm is my thoughts because calm comes in my feeling line. So when I choose thoughts that keep me feeling confident or steady or calm or whatever is that I want to be feeling that's different than angry and frustrated and overwhelmed, then I need to be thinking things like, yeah, kids do this sometimes. Like they heard me and they decided not to because reading's more fun. This makes a lot of sense to me. I wish they would get up. That was what I asked them to do, but they didn't do it. And that doesn't make them a bad kid. It doesn't make me a bad parent. It doesn't mean I need to yell. It just means now I warned them that if they didn't get up, here's what would happen. And now I just deliver that consequence. It's as simple as that. And I know that's just one scenario where yelling occurs. But you can take each scenario where you find your patterns of yelling. Like there's not, in my experience, there's not going to be 15 different scenarios where we yell, even though the circumstances will vary. But if you start to watch for the patterns, you'll see, okay, the circumstances change, but I notice that I yell when I feel like my kids aren't listening. Or the circumstances will change, but I notice that I yell when we're running late, right? So you'll find that there's like two, three, four scenarios even with varied circumstances where that's your prime yelling, like those are your prime yelling scenarios with the, and then you'll start to identify your triggers and then you'll start to identify the thoughts that you're choosing and the emotions that come with those thoughts that lead straight to that yelling. And when you slow all that down and when you take that ownership back and when you increase that awareness in this area, that is what is going to help you yell at your kids less. If that's something that you really want to do. The final piece that I want to offer you that's going to really support you in these efforts of yelling less at your kids is like what I mentioned at the beginning. In my opinion, and you get to decide this for yourself, but in my experience, in my opinion, when we have a goal to never yell at our kids again, that actually is not going to support this endeavor because we're going to have a moment where we screw up and we do it again. We yell at them again. Then we judge ourselves and we're harsh on ourselves and that harshness and judgment and criticalness and like the goal of the perfectionism of it is actually going to breed more (laughs) anger and frustration and yelling. And so I love to remind myself that I am an amazing mom and I yell at my kids sometimes. I love to be really honest about it and say like yelling is pretty much never, hardly ever, my best parenting choice. And sometimes I still yell at my kids. Sometimes I parent in a way, even though I have other better ways to parent. This just sets me up for success because it it opens me up to being a human mother rather than a robot mother, where my goal is to yell at my kids as little as possible. But whether I yell at them or not, I'm a good mom. And believing that I'm a good mom and accepting the mom that I am each day helps me yell at my kids less. It's a very, very interesting conundrum because we would think that if we were giving ourselves permission, like if the plan was to allow for some yelling, that we would just run away with it and yell as much as we ever have. But the opposite is going to occur. And I just really am excited for you guys to try this out because as soon as you make room for your humanness, as soon as you judge yourself less, as soon as you are kinder to yourself and you're accepting and you're open 
and loving to yourself and your children. And there's just more patience. And, and all of it is built in with this plan of success. Like you're setting yourself up for success by saying, here's, you know, here are my four scenarios where I tend to yell. Here are my main thoughts. I, I think in those scenarios that create the feelings that lead to yelling. Here's what I'm going to work on thinking and feeling instead so that I can yell less at my kids. And the overall goal is to know I'm a good mom, to spend time thinking I'm a good mom and that I'm always doing my best. But sometimes, some days my best is not that great. And I will still yell at my kids sometimes, but I'm going to try really hard to do it as little as possible and have my back and take care of me all along the way. And when that's your game plan, you will just be amazed to see how your parenting shifts, how you yell less and how you take better care of yourself and your kids. Can't wait for you guys to try it out and I will talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.